Social emotional learning, it's the new way. Where culturally responsive meets innovation. Hey, Dominators, my name is Kristen Hopkins, CEO and founder of Dangers of the Mind, a company that identifies the attacks against your everyday thought life that shifts major progress. I'm a social emotional learning expert, curriculum developer, and social entrepreneur who believes in the holistic development of youth and young adults through culturally responsive and culturally affirming resources. Welcome to Dangers of the Mind. Hey guys, welcome back to another Dangers of the Mind episode. Disclaimer, I am not a mental health therapist. I am a social and emotional learning expert, and these are two different responsibilities. But on today's episode, I will be discussing mental health tips for Black students by coming from a cognitive behavior therapy lens. And these are the tools I use in my SEL curriculum that I developed to help Black kids succeed. So let's get into it. In 2016, I was teaching my SEL curriculum at Roosevelt Stay in Washington, D.C., and piloting two cohorts with students who were struggling with severe trauma. Shout out to Roosevelt Stay. It was an amazing experience working with these students in schools. I worked with students that experienced things I couldn't even imagine at the time for their age. I dealt with students that were shot and became not trustworthy of those around them. Students battling addictions, students who had children and dropping their kids off before class. I'm talking about 13, 14, 15 year olds. I work with students who were coming to my class that were 22 years old to get their degree and still showing up. Shout out to the staff and the people who were there at the time. This season of my life, y'all, taught me invaluable lessons and allowed me to create so many more resources from the needs that I saw right in front of me every day while I was teaching my program. I developed concepts, models, and other research from my observations, but there were two major factors that these students seemed to have. Number one was they were all Black. And number two, they had seemed to lose hope along the way. And the Dangers of the Mind class was giving them that hope they needed and affirming them that someone cared. A growing body of research has made it increasingly apparent that adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, are a critical public health issue. ACEs are potentially traumatic experiences and events ranging from abuse and neglect to living with an adult with a mental illness. They can have negative and last-longing effects on health and well-being in a childhood or later in life. In the United States, 61% of Black children and 51% of Hispanic children have experienced at least one adverse childhood experience compared to 40% of white children. In every part of the country, the lowest rate of ACEs was among Asian children. In most areas of the country, the population most at risk was Black children. So here are some key findings according to childtrends.org. Economic hardship in divorce or separation of a parent or guardian are the most common ACEs reported national in all states. Just under half, 45% of children in the United States have experienced at least one ACEs, which is similar to the rate of exposure found in a survey from 2011-2012. One in 10 children nationally have experienced three or more ACEs, placing them in a whole nother category, especially 
high risk. Children of different races and ethnicities do not experience ACEs equally. In most regions, it's highest among Black and Hispanic children. ACEs can cause stress reactions in children, including feelings of intense fear, terror, and helplessness. When activated repeatedly, just so just imagine this being activated repeatedly in a child's life, it prolongs a period of time, especially in the absence of protective factors, toxic levels of stress, hormone can interrupt normal physical and mental development, and can even change the brain's architect. Y'all, this you're telling me that if I experience trauma five or six times, that my brain changes, the architecture of my brain changes, that is absolutely wild. But there's also evidence that ACEs are linked to lower educational attainment, unemployment, and poverty. Now, let me tell y'all, I'm a good one for reading some articles. I read this article recently by Emily Badger that just blew me away. I will place the link in the description as I encourage you to read it if you work with students who live in poverty. The article is called How Poverty Taxes the Brain, where scientists have discovered that being poor actually impairs our cognitive ability. What grabbed my attention at first was a statement that said the condition of poverty imposed a mental burden to losing 13 IQ points. So she opens up this article, y'all. This, first of all, I was like blown away by this article. I really, really want y'all to read this because it had me like, hello, right? (laughs) I was Beyonce. It had me at hello. I was like literally like grasping for more. She opened up the article by allowing me to digest the importance of understanding the human mental bandwidth is finite. Finite means having limits or bounds. So she gave an example of why people who text and drive are statistically worse drivers, or when you are focused on one task and are more likely to forget another task, the brain has a certain bandwidth and can't perform multiple tasks at the same time. We only have so much cognitive capacity to spread around and is a scarce resource. I thought this was so fascinating because I find myself doing things and then forgetting to do other things when I'm really focused on one thing. So it made a lot of sense. But this was some groundbreaking findings because science have concluded that poverty imposes such a massive cognitive load on the poor. They have little bandwidth left over to do many of the things that might lift them out of poverty, like going to night school or searching for a job or even paying bills on time. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Have you ever wondered what the Black student experience looked like in today's world? Who influences these experiences? And how are Black children truly feeling with the pressures of COVID? Join our Black SEL webinar on the Black student experience. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast. Let's pause for a second and think of a homeless person that you might see all the time. You know, when I think of this, there was this homeless man when I lived in D.C., shout out to Florida Avenue, love D.C., but I used to speak with this man and he, you know, would sit on my stoop and I would give him food and all these things. 
But when we think of, you know, a homeless person that we may know or may encounter or may even see just every day walking to work or driving to work, like this is where empathy forms because it made me think of how much pressure was going on in that person's cognitive mind to not only battling with addiction, be trying to figure out where they're about to stay the next day, trying to figure out where they're going to sleep, what they're going to eat. I just felt that. Like this article came alive to me because it felt taxing. It felt heavy. And the article was, you know, poverty taxes the brain. And so this article was written in 2013. So I'm very curious if scientists have updated this study because at the macro level, this meant we lost an enormous amounts of cognitive ability during the recession that happened in 2009. You know, we know about what happened in 2009. Millions of people had less bandwidth to give to their children or to even remember to take their medication. It's a simple example. But let's speed up to 2021. Jesus. I can only imagine how poverty is taxing the brain right now. According to Stanford psychologists, the COVID-19 crisis has taken a psychological toll on people of all ages, but one group especially affected is teenagers. School closures and enforced social distancing has cut off many teens from psychological support, putting them at higher risk of developing anxiety and depression. Do y'all remember in my last survey where I talked about the girls, where the annual girls conference we do, and I talked about how all of them were submitting surveys and saying how they were, you know, depressed. They were in dark spaces of their life. They had lack of social engagement. This is what we're talking about. So what I incorporated in my curriculum in 2016 and what is still prevalent to this day is cognitive behavior therapy. It was a big solution for our Black students and the mental health disparities that they were up against. CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, is a type of psychotherapy in which negative behaviors of thought about the self and the world are challenged in order to alter unwanted behaviors, patterns, or treat mood disorders such as depression. How many of us know someone right now that is depressed? I'll wait, because I know we know someone. You have to know someone. We all battle depression. But cognitive behavioral therapist's main role is to help people identify their thoughts and behaviors specifically regarding their relationships, surroundings, and life so that they can influence those thoughts and behaviors for the better. Now, I don't have a background in psychology, like I said, and I'm not a mental health professional, but through everyday internal attacks against our thought life called the dangers of the mind, we're talking about brokenness and fear and complacency and distractions, independent perception, ego, pride. You couldn't tell me that CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, wouldn't help a child of color who battled poverty and had adverse childhood experiences. This, coupled with social emotional learning and character development, was game changing and still is. The innovation from having students rap about their brokenness to getting up and doing skits about their fears and insecurities, the joy I saw in their learning experience through kinesthetic modalities and tactile modalities, and it was just nothing short of amazing. Once I saw this, I realized this could not be just taught to the child, 
but the parents and the caretakers, whoever was influencing a child's home environment, needed to learn SEL skills so they'll know what's being taught in the classroom and that it could be sustainable. And then when we saw the need of students that wanted to continue to build a healthy mind outside of the classroom, we created our brand ambassador community, which we have these events every year where kids come out and we do professional developments and sit by the bonfires and talk about our feelings and throw our dangers of mind in the fires. It's been an amazing experience to see the joy in students that just come alive by understanding what people are going through and knowing that they're not alone and seeing the struggles of other people and not being afraid to speak up and speak out about their current circumstances. And then allowing us to build students that can see beyond their current circumstances. So this right here is game changing. If your child or if a student is struggling with mental illness, I would highly recommend using CBT and some of the techniques and tools that are incorporated with CBT to be able to reach a child. I can't speak to all those tools because I use CBT in the most innovative way possible, but I looked at my children and I could tell a difference in them by this method. And I saw the excitement that they had because someone believed in them and they believed in themselves. So now more than ever, we need psychologists, mental health providers, educators, curriculum developers, and even community leaders to tap into some of the approaches of cognitive behavior therapy in innovative ways and produce resources to schools and communities of color. It is needed and you will see results. I can't do this by myself. So consider this a call to action. So remember, cognitive behavior therapy coupled with social emotional learning and character development all can turn out beautifully for your children if you do it correctly and you're innovative with this process. Trust the process. It has worked for me. And I've seen the joys and I've also seen the impact of students' lives. This wraps up another Dangers of My episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate the show, and share it with your friends. As always, keep dominating. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Do you see confident people around you? Do you believe you display confidence consistently? How do you feel like confidence contributes to your performance? Join us as we discuss confidence in the workplace and how to know the value you carry and be confident in that. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast.